Thank you. And good morning, everybody. There are more people here than I expected this morning. It's great. Uh, 
welcome friends in person, friends watching on cable and on YouTube. This seems to be the perfect weather to consider watching by live stream. So every once in a while, if we get these, I didn't think I'd need the roof rake this early in the season either. It is the fall still. Grace and peace to you all in the name of our Lord Jesus, who bids us to come together in this place at this time. It's an honor and a privilege for me to be able to share the service with you today. Usually it's the speakers at the front who get nervous if they're not used to speaking up front, so I hope I don't make any of you nervous by me being up here. Today's sermon will be given by Reverend Tracy Robertson of Calgary. That should be a good one. As always, please join us in the CE Hall for refreshments following the service. Announcements are printed on the week at a glance in the newsletter or the announcements. And you'll notice that uh, Laura put November 13 instead of 20th. She was wishing because the weather was a whole lot better a week ago. But it is November 20th announcements. There are a few to highlight. Uh, Pastor Jen Brown is still looking to rent uh, a house in Hanover. If you uh, have a lead on anything, she's looking for uh, basically a, a three-bedroom house with the fenced yard for her three dogs. And if you know of any suitable property, just let George know. Uh, with sadness, we share the news of the death of Arnold Corlett of our congregation. I uh, uh, had nice chats with Arnold after uh, he was charged by the police, actually. Uh, and it wasn't all his fault. He was, he was quite a good character, though. And uh, the police just happened to park at the end of his driveway. He was charged for hitting the cruiser when he was backing out of his own driveway. <sighs> he and I never really understood that. But, but police didn't want to charge themselves. I'm sure that had to do with it. The funeral service will be held at Mitens tomorrow at 11 o'clock with lunch to follow in the CE Hall. And please join us also in expressing our, our continued sympathies to the family and friends of Angela Ray, who passed away November 11, so just nine days ago. And they will be having a private family service. And does anyone else have other announcements this morning? Robert. Are there other birthdays? Anniversaries? No? Okay. Well, uh, that makes me officially the oldest person here, being 70 now. So there you go. To all you youngsters out there. Uh, any other announcements? Oh, Kathy and Sally. Now, this is uh, from uh, the announcement sheet as well.
since it's got some chocolates and some goodies and will have homemade cookies in, there's two versions. There's the sleigh by itself, all the goodies, and Kleenex, of course, because we all need that. And then there's one with an ornament. So we have the $10 one and the $5 one. So after church, you can see me in the C-All if you want to pre-order it or prepay. Um, and we can pick, you can pick them up next week. And Sally will have a list of the seniors uh, to give one to if you don't know, or she'll take your name on top. Who you want to give it to? Thank you, Kathy. So that's uh, an announcement under the title Christmas Care and Share. Sally? Good morning. So um, we're going to do try a little something. Tomorrow, we're going to be, a few of us are meeting in uh, the kitchen, and we're going to be preparing some meals, some hot soups. And we have a few people in our congregation who are probably could use a little bit of support right now from uh, now and then. Um, anything that we have left over, we're going to freeze, and then we can give to somebody when they're in time of need. So if anyone is interested in helping out tomorrow, probably at about 2 o'clock or so, um, you're welcome to come and help me. See me after, um, after church in the CE Hall if you want to help with chopping vegetables or anything. Thanks. So I assume that's after the lunch that's being held, right? Okay, good. Are there any other announcements? Okay, good. Okay. And acknowledgement of indigenous territory coming up. Good. We recognize that we are on the traditional territory of the Odawa, Mississauga, Anish, in a Waukee First Nations and the Metis people, and that we are all people of Treaty 485 and a half. And I've long wondered when, when McCall would tell us that we're in that treaty, what that meant. Maybe you have too. So I've found the map. We're on the yellow, that's the 45 and a half treaty. Uh, negotiated with the Crown, Sogwe Ojibwe Nation agreed to open up one and a half million acres of land for settlement in exchange for economic assistance and protection from settler encroachment with these words from the government. Upon which proper houses shall be built for you and proper assistance given to enable you to become civilized, their definition, and to cultivate land which your great father engages forever to protect you from the encroachments of the whites. So that's what the agreement said. May we continue to work for right relationships with our indigenous neighbors and to speak up and out against systemic racism and colonialism. And we light the Christ candle as a symbol of the light that Jesus brought into the world. Christ, who is the light of the world, we carry this light with us and within us and share it with others to make the world a better place.
We'll now center ourselves for worship in the first hymn, My Love Colors, More Voices 138. really like verse 3. Please join me in the call to worship and the opening prayer. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. God lets me rest and guides me for the sake of God's good name. The dangers of dark valleys do not frighten me, for God's rod and staff protect me. God sets a table for me in front of my enemies. God anoints me with oil, my cup is so full. 
goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in God's house as long as I live. Amen. The opening prayer inspired by Ephesians. At one time we had no hope and no God, but through Jesus we have been brought near. The barriers of hate and division have been broken down. We have been reconciled into one with the good news of peace. We have been built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. We belong in God's household. We dedicate ourselves to God. Christ is our cornerstone. We are joined together. We are being built into a place where God lives through the Spirit. Amen. I now invite you to sing hymn 154 from More Voices, Deep in Our Hearts. the passing of peace, you may wish to uh, pass the peace with a wave of your hands, saying, the peace of Christ be with you and also with you. Right. Well, welcome, everyone. <laughs>
And those at home, you may do that too. I almost see you. There you go. As we gather ourselves together once again, let us prepare to continue our worship as we join our hearts together and pray a prayer for transformation. God of abundance and generosity, you give us all that we need to grow as your people of faith. Your love is constant and always with us. We are never alone. You have been given, the, we have been given the gifts of your world and we are surrounded in all of its beauty. Transform our lives so that we are aware of and can trust in your presence with us. We pray for gratitude, wisdom and grace so that we can continue to be your people who make a difference in the world. Amen. Now we listen for God's voice as we listen to Leona read the minute for mission and today's scripture. This of God's faithful people through the ages, the divine word to us today. Good morning. Becoming their child's hero, families want their dads to come back. On November 20, countries around the world celebrate Universal Children's Day, also called World Children's Day. The date marks the anniversary of the UN General Assembly, adopting both the Declaration and the Convention on Children's Rights. On the same day, Restorative Justice Week kicks off. It's a perfect time to raise up the needs of children with incarcerated parents. The all too often forgotten, invisible or ignored victims of the criminal justice system. No one knows how many children in Canada are affected by the incarceration of a parent. Back in 2007, the guesstimate was 357,604. But advocates think that with the increase in the prison population, the number is much higher. While every situation is unique, many children with incarcerated parents face trauma, family instability, social isolation, and economic insecurity. On the inside, parents struggle to stay connected to their kids, let go of shame, and deepen parenting skills so they can successfully unite their family when they are released. That's why Parkland Restorative Justice, a mission and service partner based in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, runs an eight-week parenting course for male inmates called Dad Hero an acronym for Helping Everyone Realize Opportunities, developed in partnership with the Canadian Families and Corrections Network, CFCN. The course is designed to educate dads about parenting, how to communicate with their child, and how to work with a co-parent. Afterward, the dads meet regularly in a group that continues to provide support after their release. A lot of people don't think about men inside prisons as a hero. In fact, when we told the men the name of the program, 
Some of them said, that doesn't resonate with me. I don't really feel like a hero to my kids, but I want my children to look up to me, to think that I have value and worth, that I have information to give them, and can be a good parent that is aspiring to be a hero, says Louise Leonardi, executive director of the CFCN. We all want the same things for these men. We want them to come out of prison, to reoffend less, to be with their families, to start a pro-social and productive life, and to move into society in a well-balanced way. Families want their dads to come back. No one is disposable, and no child should feel forgotten. Thank you for helping to build stronger families and for believing everyone can be a hero. And our scripture reading today is from Ephesians 2, verses 11 to 22. The reconciliation of God's people. So remember that once you were Gentiles by physical descent, who were called uncircumcised by Jews who are physically circumcised. At that time, you were without Christ. You were aliens rather than citizens of Israel and strangers to the covenant of God's promise. In this world, you had no hope and no God. But now, thanks to Christ Jesus, you who once were so far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Christ is our peace. He made both Jews and Gentiles into one group. With his body, he broke down the barrier of hatred that divided us. He canceled the detailed rules of the law so that he could create one new person out of the two groups making peace. He reconciled them both as one body to God by the cross, which ended the hostility to God. When he came, he announced the good news of peace to you who were far away from God and to those who were near. We both have access to the Father through Christ by the one Spirit. So now you are no longer strangers and aliens. Rather, you are fellow citizens with God's people and you belong to God's household. As God's household, you are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. The whole building is joined together in him and it grows up into a temple that is dedicated to the Lord. Christ is building you into a place where God lives through the Spirit. This is a trustworthy witness of God's faithful people through the ages. The divine word to us today. Amen.
called to bring them home. I've given you the power to heal. Forgive each other, and my love you will feel. I have called. a child and now a shepherd called to lead my own called to Robertson under the title of We Are the Spiritual Home for God. Gentiles were seen as having no hope. The reality is that this is still a very real belief today, isn't it? We all know some Christians who say anyone who is not a Christian is without hope. And the job of Christians in the world is to convert as many possible to Christianity. They truly believe that those who haven't proclaimed Jesus as their Lord and Savior will be excluded from heaven. Period. If that's the case, then I am without hope. Many believe that the author of Ephesians is Paul, but there's quite a bit of debate around that. We all remember Paul. Once was Saul, who went around oppressing, abusing, and killing Christians until he had his profound, life-changing experience and became the most well-known born-again Christian in our faith history. Paul knows very well what type of spiritual transformation it takes to overcome differences. Paul knew what he was talking about because he experienced it. We all know it takes more than changes in the law to tell us to coexist with one another. Drawing Jews and Gentiles together is what Jesus did, and it was radical to even suggest that coexistence could take place. But Christ wanted an end to racial, cultural, and religious animosity. Jesus wished for the Gentiles to be strangers and aliens no longer. The author calls us to build up the household of God on the foundation of three things. The very prophets that foretold the deliverance of the Jewish people, the apostles who proclaimed Christ's redeeming love, and the reconciling capstone of Jesus himself. Together, the Jews and Gentiles were called to be the holy temple, a spiritual home for God. In other words, we are the spiritual home for God. We are the temple. Not just the church building, not some other place we've deemed holy, us. But not just those of us here at our church, but every person out there in the world. This scripture says all people are children of God and everyone houses the spirit of God. How does that change the way we look at one another? How does it change the way we look at those we judge to be less worthy of acknowledgement or respect or love? This passage is about coexisting. 
When I worked at the, as a chaplain at the Young Offenders Center, I asked the shop class if they could make a coexist sign for the chapel. The C is the symbol for Islam or the Muslim faith. The O is the indigenous medicine wheel. The E is for equality between the diversity of the genders. The X is the Star of David and represents the Jewish faith. The I is the rainbow, representing pride and affirming any and all. The S is the yin and the yang in the Buddhist faith. And the T is for the cross in the Christian faith. So this young man said he knew all the symbols, except he didn't know what the rainbow eye was. I just looked at him and said, you know what the eye means. You know what the rainbow means. He admitted that yes, he knew, but he didn't agree. I responded by saying, I'm not asking you to agree, but could you work towards coexisting? He thought it, about it just for a moment and said, oh yeah, well, I could do that. What does it mean to live in coexistence? It means we strive towards doors that open rather than walls that divide and separate. It means listening to one another's stories and coming to an understanding of the other person, even when we don't agree with them. When I was young, I remember coming home from school and my mom being very upset when I told her I had been called Nazi. It hurt her so deeply because of her growing up in World War II and having to live with the reality of the Nazi atrocities. A few years ago, my mom described someone with a term that she was unaware was similarly hurtful. But when I told my mom that her description was just as bad as someone calling me Nazi, she was horrified. And gaining that knowledge allowed for, some separ allowed for the separation she unintentionally created to disappear. She became knowledgeable about the power of her words and thus more intentional in the future. She moved towards coexisting because she listened and learned something new. And in that, a newfound understanding was born. The standout aspect of this passage is the sheer volume of names in which people are described. Jews, Gentiles, uncircumcised, aliens, strangers, new person, one body, those who are far off, those who are near, members of the household of God, a holy temple, a dwelling place of God. I wonder how a Gentile would, Gentile would have responded to this scripture. Some Gentiles might have said, well, we've been saying that we're equal all along. Others might not have cared, and still others might have wept for joy at the thought of finally being included. No longer labeled as stranger or alien. The writer says that Christ is our peace, and he made both Jews and Gentiles into one group, breaking down barriers of hostility that kept them apart. After all this time, I still question whether we're any better at breaking down barriers of hostility today. Even amongst Christians as a whole, we're not one, are we? There's still a lot of hostility within the Christian community, and I'm not sure how to solve it, but I do know that our role model, Jesus, wouldn't have had any difficulty accepting and coexisting with anyone and everyone. The scripture hints that we are called to move into a future where we be as Jesus, to understand and coexist with one another. But that doesn't mean we forget who we are, or once were, or even the mistakes we've made, or those made by our ancestors. 
Our past certainly doesn't need to dictate our future, but it's important to acknowledge where we've come from and build on the learnings from our past. We often talk about the importance of our stories and honoring our stories. Our stories shape us into that holy temple of God. I remember seeing the historical timeline on the wall at the Interpretive Center at Blackfoot Crossing. The guide was telling me that every so often all the Black, Blackfeet, Blackfoot people come together at the crossing to commemorate the signing of Treaty 7. When I asked her why they would commemorate something with, that, had such a, that was such a negative part of their history, she looked at me like I had two heads. She was confused. She said, because it's part of our story. It was then that I realized honoring the truth about one's history doesn't mean honoring only the positive pieces. Rather, it means accepting and coexisting with it all and living into the hopeful future that this scripture is talking about. According to the followers of Jesus, Gentiles were without hope because they were excluded. Maybe this call to coexist is a transformative experience for all communities involved. Jews and Gentiles and everyone beyond. Maybe the key to us being God's dwelling place is coexistence. The message of Christ is that we're all included. That means we today can also continue the hard work of including those who have been excluded. This hope would have been exactly what they needed to hear at the time of this scripture writing. The Roman regime in those ancient days was one that promised peace, but at a price. Heavy taxation and submission to the authority of the emperor. Although the Romans professed ideals for peace, strength, freedom, and prosperity, many people in colonized areas experienced Roman rule as violent and oppressive. This call to coexistence would have brought hope. It's something people would have been eager to live into and work towards. Not only was there a chance that people could coexist in terms of faith, but perhaps that coexistence could move into politics and governance as well. And if it could, what might the future hold for the people and their subsequent generations? I'm sure any marginalized or oppressed group finds hope in the successes of those that came before them. That fuels the ongoing work towards a more accepting world. What might it look like for the next generation? They'll at least have to fight less because of the work and passion of those who came before them. I too know what it feels like to benefit from the fight of those who came before me. I'm a diaconal minister, and back in the day, diaconal ministers were only women, and they were called deaconesses. When they graduated from training school, they all received a pin that joined them with one another, with other deaconesses in the United Church, and it was called the Deaconess Order. However, when these women got married, the pin was physically taken away from them, and they were disjoined from their community. The deaconesses who were disjoined continued to fight to be officially rejoined as part of this deaconess order. Finally, in 2006, the United Church had a service where all those who were disjoined were given an apology and permitted to rejoin the order. So when I graduated soon afterwards, I didn't have to fight for that anymore. Those before me had fought the fight so that I didn't have to. 
That's the same hope this scripture leaves us in terms of coexisting. Understanding and acceptance break down walls and our eyes are open to the fact that we are built on the same foundation, a foundation of those who came before us. We are all part of the household of God, whether we name it or not. We are all a dwelling place for God, whether we recognize it or not. And we are all holy, whether we think we deserve it or not. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we thank you for this reminder of being holy and a dwelling place for you. Help us to recognize your presence within us and within others. Help us to allow your spirit to work through us so that we can be models of peaceful coexistence to all we meet. Amen. Okay, please join me for the next hymn chosen by Reverend Robertson for this service. Hymn Voices United 691, Walls That Divide, verses 1, 4, and 5, and the chorus in between. Thank you and be seated. I now invite you to share your offerings for the work of the church. 
the plate will be passed amongst us for those who have not already given at the back or don't uh, give by par. Thank you. continue our response to God by joining our hearts together in prayer. God of transformation from season to season, it has been a challenging year like none other. We're filled with the anticipation of seasonal events, a time when we usually gather with family, friends, members of our communities, and others we experience on our journey. Slow us down, Enable us to stop and take time to experience life and living in all of its fullness. Slow us down. Enable us to see the good news within the challenges that surround us. Help us to bring light into your household, your entire creation, so that there is darkness no more. Empower us to take the time needed for prayer, reflection, and to simply be. Remind us always that it is in you and it is within our community of faithful people that we are grounded, inspired, and encouraged. It is here where we are enfolded in your love. Because we matter to you as your beloved, we take a moment to pray for ourselves.
God of grace and compassion, you companion with us through all of the experiences that go with this incredible journey we call life. As a community, we celebrate, whether in person or virtually, all of the personal, family, friends, or community events that are important to us. Because our families, friends, and community matter to us, we take a moment to offer them our prayers. We pray for the families and friends of Arnold Corlett and Angela Ray of our congregation. Along with all of our joys, we carry grief, loss, and sorrow, including the too many anxieties that go with the state of our world. There are many issues that disturb us and call us to action. We override our feelings of helplessness by believing that one action can make a difference. Remind us to lead by example. Give us the courage to hold those in power accountable for their actions, promises, and commitments. These are challenging times. We seek healing and wholeness for those who are broken. We seek wisdom and wise counsel for our leaders on the many issues that challenge us and our communities. Because our community, our country, our world matter to us, we take a moment to offer our prayers. God of all, we give you thanks for reconciliation and the opportunity to coexist with your people in harmony and peace. We are grateful for the abundance that we experience in our lives. As your people of faith, we go out into your world to be agents of change, advocates of peace, promoters of joy, hope, and optimism for a world that begs for justice, fairness, safety, and the basics for life and wholeness. You gave us hope in this prayer, taught to us by Jesus as we say together in faith this petition for a better world, saying, each in the language of our hearts, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. As we leave this sacred place, I would like to thank all of those who have participated in bringing worship to us today, those in front of the camera and the many more who are behind the camera and helping, as well as you, the people of grace who blessed us with your presence in person and online. Please join us for coffee and fellowship after the service, coffee's ready. And now we're sent forth to the week ahead. This day, the Spirit of God waits on the threshold of our experience. Waits to be embodied as always in responsive human lives. So let us renew our commitment to be the vehicles of that Spirit. And let us go forth with joy to set that Spirit free in our daily living. Amen. So we finish today with a hymn of joy. Voices United 884, we shall go out with joy.
shall go out with hope of resurrection. We shall go out from strength to strength go on. We shall go out and tell our stories boldly, tales of a love that will not let us go. We'll sing our songs of wrongs that can be righted. We'll dream our dreams of hurts that can be healed. We'll weave a cloth of all the world united within the vision of new life in Christ. We'll give our voice to those who have not spoken. We'll find the words for those whose lips are sealed. We'll make the tunes for those who sing no longer. Expressive love alive in every heart. We'll share our joy.